Switching mediation providers might seem like a pain in the ass, but it doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of making the transition from Mopub to IronSource, we've got you covered. First, we've created a dedicated tool that removes the manual work when migrating to IronSource mediation. Second, we'll be holding workshops with IronSource experts where you can have all your migration needs taken care of. And if you want to do it yourself, we also have technical documentation for migrating to IronSource mediation in our Knowledge Center. To learn more about these initiatives and begin monetizing with IronSource today, head to www.is.com forward slash migrate. That's www.is.com forward slash migrate. Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite powered by a reliable deep linking engine lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to appslyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. At your prime. Your prime. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, welcome, welcome, everybody, to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. My guest today is uh, Shahaf Bar Geffen uh, from from multiple different places, from Koti, from Frequent, from Uncaged. So, um, Shahaf, for people who don't know you, and there's only few of them, can you tell a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Uh, great. Uh, what a great introduction. Uh, yeah, man, I'm, I, I'm Uncaged. Um, we are Web3 gaming studio uh, with the first release, Monkey League, coming uh, to your closest uh, metaverse this year. Uh, but yeah, look, I've been in crypto since 2015. Um, it was right after I sold a company, believe it or not, called Web3, which I started uh, back in 2006. Uh, it was a media company, did really well, and then uh, co-founded a company called Positive Mobile that was uh, later on acquired by, uh, by Brightcom. Uh, and yeah, I've been in crypto since uh, 2015. You know, when I joined, wow. I thought I was so late because, you know, everybody was already there, right? Uh, but yeah, seven, uh, seven years later, I still think we're very early on. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, the first thing I did was in 2017, um, started Cody. Cody is, uh, it's deep tech. It's uh, mm -hmm. what is called uh, layer one. Mm -hmm. Layer 1s are protocols like Ethereum, Solana, Cardano, Luna, and such. Uh, and what Cody does is it, it, it helps enterprises and central banks uh, build digital money. So this is what uh, Cody is doing and doing really well. Um, 
Frequence. So Frequence uh, is, a, again, a tech company that builds uh, algorithms to trade the crypto markets. Okay. Um, it now manages, uh, the algo manages about $250 million. Uh, mostly it's prop trading. Uh, and, it, and it has done tremendously well in terms of uh, returns. Uh, but the, the secret sauce is that it has a very low drawdown, meaning... You can be exposed to the crypto markets mm-hmm. uh, that can be very volatile and enjoy a lot of upside, uh, but with a very uh, reduced risk. And um, everything was developed by uh, Dr. Nira Loani, mm-hmm. uh, my partner, uh, who is the smarter per- smartest person I know, you know, maybe side by side with uh, Charles Hoskinson, the founder of uh, Cardano and, and, and Ethereum. Uh, but this is not what this conversation is all about. No, uh, it's, no. uh, it's about Uncaged, <laughs> which I uh, which I chair. Um, and yeah, as, as I've mentioned, it's it's a Web three gaming studio, and, and it twines you know great expertise uh, both in in Web Web three and, and crypto with uh, deep expertise uh, of gaming. Uh, as the co-founder of of Uncaged is uh, Raz Friedman. Mm-hmm. Who, who is known as employee number one in Platica and their uh, uh, mythical CPO. Yeah, so. and we'll, we'll have a spe- specific episode coming in more about Uncaged. But then this one, I wanted to bring you on because you're when people ask, like, who's the OG of blockchain? Who's the crypto OG? That's Shahaf. Shahaf is the – like, when, when the crypto bros get together, they whisper the, the name Shahaf Berkoffin. <laughs> like that's, so, so you're you're the you're the uh, you're the Mac Daddy of, of of crypto, and I wanted to get you on and really discuss about the evolution, where we are right now, and where we're gonna be in a few years. I wanted to call this podcast originally as how to make <laughs> how to be a crypto millionaire in one year, uh, but we recorded that on the side, and that will be published once I am a crypto millionaire in one year. Uh, so we will not be releasing that podcast <laughs> unless you're a subscriber and um, and have and and own the uh, the DOF meta card. <laughs> so it's only only for those the NFT the, the yeah. utility NFT. Yeah. Of course, if if you don't have yeah. the DOF. Uh, NFT meta card, you will not hear this podcast and you will not be uh, a crypto millionaire. <laughs> but but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it only costs $900,000. So there's an arbitrage there. Easy, it, easy money. Just, just find it on OpenSea. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but let, let's jump in into, into the, like I have a bunch of questions for you. And sure. um, and I don't know a better person to to discuss these. So, so starting off with the first one is like, why did the blockchain and crypto became mainstream in 2021? Because I remember vividly that, that um, about a year or so, the NFTs kind of became a thing. People were writing about first like bankers in Hong Kong or was it Singapore? They're buying these JPEGs and paying a lot of money from it. And I thought that this is like the, the, uh, well, the world was already going insane. Like we were on lockdown and everybody was a COVID expert <laughs> and, uh, and, and the stock prices were soaring, which made no sense to what was happening on the ground. Like everything was crazy. Inflation was crazy. Governments were printing money. So of course people will start spending enormous amounts of money on GPACs drawn in paint. Like that would be just, just a logical thing at that point. But But kind of like, can you really talk about like why the 2021 was the uh the sort of a um unveiling moment for the mainstream audience uh yes uh look 
Well, first of all, it's not mainstream yet, mm -hmm. right? Even, I mean, yeah, like there are true. hundreds of millions of, of people out there with, with crypto, uh, you know, out of the billions uh, out there. So it's, it's hardly mainstream. Mm -hmm. I, I think there are also like 10, 2 billion people that don't even have internet yet, right? So yeah. we're very early on in, in, uh, in that sense. But I think what, what happens, you know, with lockdowns and everything is that, you know, Web3, right, as, as, as an idea, kind of reaches a boiling point right now. And um, because the tech and, and the cultural context collide for the first time. And, um, you know, it said, uh, I think Chris Dixon said it, it said, you know, what geeks are doing in the weekends, uh, people will be doing throughout the week in five years from now. And, you know, it's, NFTs are not new, right? Uh, they've been around for like, I think it's a standard, maybe two, three years or so, or maybe off by a bit. Um, and it's not just uh, JPEGs, right? Uh, it's digital scarcity. And, and, and what does it mean? It means property on the internet. We didn't use to, to have that. Uh, you know, with Bitcoin, we may have money on the internet or gold in the internet, but we didn't have property. And NFTs can actually do that, and they can be anything from you know utility uh, NFTs uh, like the MetaCard in, in, in DOF, your access. Uh, they can be they can be game assets, right? Like like what we do in, in Uncaged. Uh, they can be home ownership. Uh, they can even be your social profile or your social identity that you can get that you can own and then move you know between networks uh, uh, with it. Uh, you know anything that is unique and uh, and and scarce, and I I mean I totally get why JPEGs on paint seems uh, worthless, and it and it and mostly it is by the way, uh, but it kind of misses the point because I mean if you were to describe the Mona Lisa right as uh, oil on on paper, you will be right in a way, but 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 you'll be missing the point right, um, and I think. Uh, that's what it is. It's, it's scarcity. And just, you know, looking into the future, just look what kids are doing right now for them. Uh, you know, buying a skin in, uh, in Fortnite is much more important than wearing a branded shirt. And in reality, it's the same thing. It's, it's the flex, right? We have a flex in, uh, you know, in the meatverse where we hang out, you can wear a designer shirt. It has uh, very little utility compared to any other shirt, uh, but you can spend that money, prove that you can spend that energy on something that is that has the same utility as something that costs a lot less because it's a flex. Uh, and in a world going digital, and you know, just circling back to where you started with uh, with the lockdowns and everything, the world has gone much more digital and online. Having the ability to flex in digital space or in the so-called metaverse uh, becomes important. This is how people can can you know get access to things or brag or, or be included in something. So this is what the phenomena actually uh, represents. And like with every hype cycle, uh, a lot of things are, are you know complete nonsense. Most of them you can tell right away. Um, but some of it is not. And the the, the idea itself and the technology. Are you know far from uh, from useless, uh, and and we're hearing more and more about it because it's getting more and more interesting, and more mainstream. By mainstream, I mean it's been out in um, in Jimmy Fallon. It's you know like all these talk shows, and it's essentially discussed everywhere. So that that's how I mean mainstream is like, 
you know, your mom and pop are hearing about NFTs and, and fucking yeah. bored apes and, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah. And- I saw I saw someone on Twitter said uh, I've been uh, blocking Web3 content even before it was popular to block Web3 content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, so talking about a little bit about the history and, and you mentioned scarcity and that's uh, – that's a that's an important point with NFTs because during the time as the NFTs became in 2021 as they became more prominent during the same time we saw prices of Rolexes blow up we saw the prices for different kind of like physical baseball cards blow up so everything that was scarce was getting you know was blowing up essentially in terms of price because there was inflation people were just looking to put their money somewhere and rare wines so whatever it is and through that like you can find rare images of something, so NFTs, and that kind of rode the same way of scarcity. So I understand that from an economical perspective. But going back in the history, were there previously points where blockchain was becoming mainstream? Um, I was kind of like, I've been looking at the prices of uh, cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin, um, having owned some for, since 2014. Uh, I remember 2017, was was really high then it kind of went down and by really high it was like 18k and then yep. in 2021 when nfts broke out that's when also the uh, the blockchain prices were just bananas like there were 60k in in march there was also 60k in november so kind of like during those same peaks we also saw the uh, the peaks for uh, for nfts so my question is kind of like were there moments like in for example in 2017 where where like is there a correlation between all this blockchain, um, you know, blockchain elements like NFTs and later on blockchain gaming and the price of blockchain currencies. Well, yes, obviously. I mean, it's it, because it's the same people that uh, saw, you know, their their portfolio rise mm-hmm. a lot that will later on go and, and buy, um, you know, board apes, right? It's, it's the same people uh, yeah. because they've been in this space so early on like you, by the way, 2014. Uh, so they can, uh, they can afford it, right? And flex with it uh, in, in an environment that is kind of like them, right? Um, like I know someone who wanted, like a very rich folk, who, who wanted to be in, in wanted to started building in, in the NFT space mm-hmm. as an investor, right? And he needed a name for himself. Like he needed to be recognized. And, but how do you do that in a, in a space that is all, Sado Anonymous, all with digital identities. So it just went on to buy a very expensive board ape, uh, uh, connected it to its profile, and now he's in the game, right? Now everybody recognizes him. And, and again, it's the same thing as showing up to a trendy place, wearing the right clothes with the right watch. It's, it's all the same. It shouldn't, mm-hmm. it shouldn't surprise you uh, uh, at all. But this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? What we're seeing uh, uh, right now, and uh, and and in fact, like with with games, right? It's uh, it started back in in 2018 with uh, Axie Infinity paving the way for everything uh, uh, afterwards. Uh, they've revolutionized the model that has come to known as play to earn, mm-hmm. um, which is actually something that personally. I, I don't like, and this yeah. is not what we're doing in, in Uncaged, uh, because... You don't you like know, exploitation? Mm. 
I don't think anybody is exploited there. But yeah, first, first of all, no, I do not like exploitation. But what I also don't like is uh, um, games should not be about just about rewards, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe professional players can play for rewards, but a yeah. game is a game, right? It should be fun. Entertainment. And it's entertainment, right? Yeah. And it's okay to pay for entertainment, uh, but getting paid for entertainment means that you know, you may be sacrificing something, like something uh, doesn't add up. Yeah. Uh, it's very it's, much growth dependent. It's gamified finance. That's what it is. Like you're, you're playing a game with, with real people kind of working for you and you're reaping the – you're like a renter class in digital space in a game. So, so that's yeah. what I mean, exploitation. It's like you're, you're – <laughs> it's a game of like a renter class playing with, uh, with, uh, with a working class. Kind of like I totally get it, and uh, as in, and what like one of the things that we've decided early on in Uncaged is uh, what we you know the test. We, mm-hmm. What is the test for us? Is if you had money, lots of money, would you still play this game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if you fun? if you don't if if you don't, then we miss the point. If yeah. you have a lot of money and all you want to do is to play the game. Because now you have money, you don't, you have no worries, mm-hmm. and this is all you want to do. This is the sort of game we want to develop. Yeah, right. And, so and, this is like- and for the listeners, by the way, who don't understand what we're talking about, so in Axie Infinity, uh, the popular way to quote unquote play it is that you own a bunch of NFTs, which are these axes, and then you rent them out uh, to people in happy countries like Venezuela and the Philippines and, and, and I don't know, uh, like, like, you know, not, not the most, uh, top of the list in, in the, uh, in the top grossing charts, if you will. Uh, but anyways, you rent these NFTs out and they essentially play for you and they farm for you various resources that you can, that allow you to mint more of these NFTs. So essentially you don't have to play the game. The others play for you. You earn more for it. And, and through that, that's what I mean by being a renter. Uh, yeah, this. yeah. What you what you're talking about is is um, is the guilds, yeah. uh, where they it's a collective of people that bought a lot of assets and now they rented to to players. But this is not actually how it started, right? Mm-hmm. The, it started off as as just as a game, like a battle game, and yeah. uh, and and if you play and you win, then you win rewards. The rewards are crypto, and you can sell them in the market if if you want, or buy more assets and play more. But because it succeeded. And, you know, Axie has paved the way, right? Uh, I think it's, it's kind of popular to bash Axie right now, but to be honest, uh, they started it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've definitely proven that if you let players own big parts of the economy, it has a potential to be a massive success. And they mm-hmm. did really well for all those involved, right? Uh, because it changes how marketing is done. It's essentially it's self-marketing because everybody owns a token. Everybody wants to... Uh, for this to succeed, um, you can have different game constructs or, or, or layout of the game, uh, and you can be very creative in how you build things. So it's it's a total paradigm shift. And to begin with, it started off uh, very nicely. It grew. Um, the success was also the reason that the price to start playing became very expensive because yeah. you need to own all these NFTs and they're expensive. And then the guilds came along to solve this uh, uh, problem. In Uncaged, we're just, as a second wave of gaming, we just, you know, we have the second mover advantage to mm-hmm. uh, um, see this and, and, and reverse engineer everything and say, okay, maybe there's a better way to, to yeah. build all of that in a more sustainable way. And, and this is what we're doing, you know, entwining 
ideas from free-to-play and Raz, uh, you know, the co-founder, has uh, kind of revolutionized this space 12 years ago. So mm -hmm. he can tell you all about it. Um, and, and mix it with player-owned economies to create something that is you know, far more sustainable, that, that has high production value, that the games are fun to, to play. And they can be massively adopted if yeah. if we get it right. So so Axie Infinity kind of kicked off this this whole blockchain gaming thing, and it was really in 2021. That's why I remember these misleading articles about how much money uh, the Axie is making, and they had the monster round with. Uh, I, by the way, I don't mean to dog on Axie Infinity. I, I, it's just it's a, it's an example of of a massive rise, and there were some issues as a as a first mover. And they are dealing with those issues and they are launching more games and, and they are definitely learning and others are learning from them. Mm -hmm. So I'm just using it as an example for one of the most successful games in this and the first mover, just like Farmville 1, if you will. So yeah. um, I wanted to ask, like, why are investors so bullish about blockchain gaming? And I have a theory. And this theory is, <laughs> is that investors were able to raise crypto funds, you know, additional fund of X amount, and they are incentivized. I mean, all in investors are always incentivized to raise a fund because they get a carry for raising a fund. A percentage of the money that they raise, they will get to themselves to spend on whatever investors spend it on, on expensive uh, vests and, um, <laughs> and Apple watches. Um, <laughs> and board apes. And, and board, board apes. apes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. actually even more. Uh, so anyways, there's a clear incentive to raise a fund and there's an ability to raise a fund because crypto is being hot, blockchain is being hot. Everybody wants you to invest into it. Now they give you money for your new fund. Um, you get this fund. And at the same time, everybody is getting these funds. And, um, and the funds are big because we're living the hype of the hypes in 2021. There's a lot of liquidity. There's a lot of money being printed. So everybody's trying to invest everywhere. I've even heard the situations during 2021 where companies were unable to raise like billion of dollar in extra funding because the banks didn't want to take a billion dollar because the banks didn't know where to put that money. And they're like, you can do whatever, but we're not taking that one billion. Like, like don't put it on our account. That's how crazy 2021 was. Anyways, uh, so there was a lot of liquidity, a lot of money going in. Crypto is the new hotness. Money goes into crypto. The funds get raised. Now investors have to deploy this capital and they're competing against other funds. And there's tons of funds and everybody has their crypto funds. So they're so as they're competing and they're competing against new companies because there's not many existing blockchain companies. So they have to pump up bigger and bigger rounds. And you can, you saw even companies raising subsequent subsequental funds, uh, subsequental raises from like seed to A to B to C <laughs> while the product was still in alpha. Nothing really happened, but companies just wanted to pour in money. Now, um, because of that, the, uh, the, 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 the rounds increased, the valuation increased, and, um, and essentially the funding rounds got out of hand. Um, and, and I have, you know, plenty of people I know who were able to raise like $10 million seeds with just a presentation of a, of a blockchain game, maybe a couple of images that they did, maybe even not. Uh, but, 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 the, but the problem that I'm seeing is it pushes the valuations really, really high. And I don't even know what the exit strategy for investors are in blockchain gaming because the, uh, the valuations are so high. And um, anyways, like, like wh why do you think investors are so hot on, 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 the, uh, on the blockchain game? 
Well, look, it can be a mix of, of everything that, that you said, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and probably is the story for some of the fund or, or some of the investments, but it doesn't tell you the, the entire story, yeah. right? It's, you know, hype cycles are hype cycles, but they do come for a reason, right? The, the, the collective smells that something is, is going on. They feel it. Uh, and, you know, some of the folks in, in the funds are really forward-looking thinkers. Yeah. Uh, they work with a thesis. It's not that they... Uh, um, you know, just spread around money. They can spread it on anything, and blockchain happens to be there. It's not. It's not in the entire story. Um, they're not stupid. I mean, you remember that part in uh, in um, Train Spotting where they said, you know, take the best <laughs> orgasm you ever had, multiply it, but multiply it by, by ten thousand, and you're still nowhere near it. I mean, this is why we do herring. You know, mm -hmm. we're not stupid. <laughs> we have a reason. Um, and I think the reason and is you know when is when is the last time you had a chance to be early on in a revolution, right? So you had an opportunity with the internet. Uh, you had another one, you know, when the internet turned to Web two with uh, you know read write user generated content. VR. Uh, mo no. AR. That, <laughs> that may happen. But <laughs> uh, and and mobile, right? Yeah. Mobile. Yeah. You, could, you could be early on in mobile like we did in with positive mobile. And uh, now Web3, it's, it's a massive opportunity. I mean, hype cycles aside, everything, if, if anyone listening thinks that eh, this Web3 th Web thing, I don't see this turning into something, he, he'll be, he's denying reality right yeah. now. So you can talk about valuations and everything, but the basis is, is strong with this. And, and, and yes, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I personally, I've been waiting for this opportunity for years and early investors embrace risk. This is what they do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if they feel that in their thesis, this is where the, where things are going, uh, they should, uh, definitely take a position, right? That's their, that's their duty. Uh, and, and we are on the cusp of, of a massive paradigm shift. Um, and it can definitely do to web two what web two did to web one, mm -hmm. you know, think Wikipedia, think about all these sort of things. Um, and I think this is, this is what is happening. Um, it's not unique to, uh, blockchain games. Uh, it's not even unique to games, right? Uh, uh, I saw in, in 2021, a lot of folks just leaving web two gaming companies, uh, with a deck, with a team raising a $10 million seed. Yes. I know a few of them. It's not unique to, to blockchain. Um, but yeah, so I think this is, this is why it's happening. Uh, just try to make sure that the noise that is happening from the hype cycle does not distract you from, from the fundamental change that is indeed happening with web three and web three games are just a part of it. Kind of like, you know, video content, uh, was to web two. It's not the only thing, but it's a big thing. Uh, and I think this is what excites uh, investors and yes, competition is fierce. Valuations are high, uh, but it's far more expensive to miss out on what may be, you know, some of the winners out there. Sorry for interrupting this podcast, but I got an important message. It's about increasing your game's revenues. I bet your mobile games is ready to find new untapped audience and a juicy 40% revenue boost. Well, you can achieve global reach and acquire new players with local payment methods and exclusive content and with huge savings on platform fees.
after recent events allowing developers to sell virtual items and currencies directly to players with a substantial savings on transaction fees, Exola launched WebShop for mobile games. This timely solution helps you unlock global potential and grow your mobile games beyond the App Store and unite your player community across all devices. Plus, it can also improve discoverability and boost player retention. If you're ready to increase revenue, save on fees, and then regain control over distribution, Exola Web Shop for mobile games can help you succeed. Visit exola.pro slash DOF or go to the link in this podcast description. Now, back to the episode. What's the fundamental change? Like, like <clears throat> I mean, it's. I think it's important to... I think you said an important thing, like it doesn't matter what you do, this is going to happen. And we kind of see it because there's such a strong force behind this. I mean, even Facebook changing it, its name to Meta and, yeah. and everybody is, is embracing that it, that it almost like has to happen. Like there's no, there's no ifs and buts. But what are the sort of a fundamental elements that, that people need to be focusing on rather than looking at all the craziness, looking at all the hype and just saying like, well, this is crazy. This will never be anything because this is so ludicrous. That's true. But what are the sort of fundamental elements that, that we should be watching at? Um, well, it's probably important because I guess, you know, some, some will be listening and thinking, mm -hmm. you know, whispering to their wives later on tonight, everybody's talking about Web3. I don't know what it means. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I use this word a lot, but I don't know what it means. So the straightforward definition, Web1 was read. It's kind of, it kind of, you know, morphed what the paper was doing. And now you have this content and you can read it. By the way, massive. Uh, it was massive, right? Um, and it was governed by the protocol, the internet protocol, TCPIP. Yeah. Easy. Then, you know, someday uh, we had Web2. And Web2 was read-write. People can write content in the website. It wasn't only the case. I guess some of the boomers will be listening and say, yes, I remember when you, know, you couldn't write in the internet. But yes, that was a, it used to be that way. And now you can read-write and things like user-generated content, YouTube, or, or Wikipedia that I've mentioned mm -hmm. uh, came along, right? So Web1 is Britannica. You can read the encyclopedia as, as written by the top paid editors. Uh, and then nobody believes that a bunch of collective of people can can write Wikipedia. Why would it ever make sense? And then it comes along because this is Web 2. What is happening with Web 3, I think, is even bigger because it's read, write, own. The fact that you can introduce tokens doesn't matter if it's fungible or non-fungible, if it's you know NFTs or, or basic crypto, means that you can share the ownership around what is being created and incentivize everybody in a way uh, that, that empowers a collective of people to do something instead of uh, a centralized entity, whether it's a company, a government, doesn't really matter, that is incentivized uh, by its profits to do something. When you do that, a lot of, you know, actually amazing things uh, can happen. And again, it's, it's, you, you don't need to be a dystopian or maximalist mm -hmm. believing in a in a decentralized anarchist world to realize that you know, a lot of amazing things can happen. If it's games, you know, the fact that players own their in-game assets and can you know, um, uh, improve them, port them, trade them, sell them, um, do it in, in different platforms, 
uh, have different roles that are created by the collective. Entire marketing funnel changes because everybody owns a piece of it and now they want this to, to succeed. And, you know, a lot of the things we don't even know because uh, it's, it's very easy to try and think in the terms of, okay, so I take this web to website, I have tokens, what happens now? It, usually you'll be wrong. It's, it's usually the wrong assumption to assume that, you know, the next technology is, is ju just kind of like evolutionize the previous one. It's not always the case. Sometimes it's a complete revolution and new constructs are being created and you could never have thought about them uh, when, when you started. And the fact that the technology is now mature enough means that we'll see a lot of things uh, uh, happening. But the idea is that you log into a website, you connect with your wallet, your wallet is your identity, and it's also your assets. And the fact that you can start transferring value over the internet instead of just information and start transferring uh, ownership around and take part of everything that is being built and be rewarded that way um, means a massive shift in how we work in the future. Um, what we own, how we own, how we are incentivized. Mm. Um, and if you ask kids about it, it makes total sense for them because they already live in the future. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really well put on, 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 the, uh, on the revolution, what is happening. A really simple way, owning things. Um, regarding, regarding owning, uh, part of owning is always exiting. Uh, so you want to make some money. And I kind of want to pull it, this back towards the uh, the investors perspective. Now, as we're seeing a lot of very, very high valuations for a lot of existing blockchain gaming, I mean, let's focus on gaming because that's closest to the audience. So a lot of uh, very high valuation for for block game, blockchain gaming projects. Um, I'm curious on how, how do investors look at the exit? Because there's a, there's a funny thing where I talk to multiple different investors in the space and um, every one of them is kind of saying that 99% of all these projects that we're seeing right now will go to zero, that they're just too hyped up. It's too crazy, but there's going to be that 1%, just like with the uh, com bubble. And that 1% is going to be gigantic. We're going to see the Amazons kind of rise up from the ashes of these games, the Facebooks. Now, regarding this, uh, as investors are looking at, at that's of course the long-term view, that's how you can validate that maybe the, the VC model. But another thing that I've been seeing in the funding is tokens. So tokens being part of the round. Um, how, how does that work? Like there's, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions that I hear when, when talking to different founders about the role of tokens in funding. Um, and, and I'm, I'm very curious of, of what, it, what are the sort of upsides and downsides we're using tokens? Because in my perspective, if there's tokens that are part of the round, then that allows investors to kind of exit earlier by selling those, to those tokens. And they're not that tied to the sky high valuation of the company. That's a, that's a positive sign. But I mean, you know better. You, you've gone through your, through your multiple rounds or at least one round that I know of that is not public yet, uh, but will be at some point. Sure. Um, okay, so let's, let's um, you know, first principles, let's talk about revenue, right? Mm -hmm. Which is uh, people in crypto don't usually like to talk about revenue, uh, but um, Web3 gaming uh, studios yeah. do generate revenue. So how, how does it all happen? Um, 
you know, the, the studio can sell assets, essentially sell NFTs. We sold NFTs. It's in the million of, millions of dollars. Um, that's revenue. Then you have fees. Fees can be anything from secondary market sales of these assets to, um, you know, breeding fees when people create new NFTs to in-store fees, everything around, around fees. Um, that's revenue, but there is also the creation of economies. So you launched a game, uh, you created uh, the in-game currency. Uh, eventually, the players will own, you know, maybe 50% of it. Um, and maybe early backers will own, you know, 20% of it. Um, and the developer can own, you know, another 20%, for instance. Um, over time, these bunch of tokens uh, that that are you know that are definitely on your balance sheet can worth a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? For, uh, for the first game in Uncaged, this is uh, this is serious money, um, and this is unique, right? Because with the current state of things, when you uh, in in a Web two gaming company, there is just a revenue and it's a sum zero game. Right, whatever the players pay, the studio collects. In this, you actually you hope that the players will own tokens that are worth a lot of money, because then it means that your part of the economy is also is also worth a lot of money. So in that sense, you're aligned with your community a lot more, and they are aligned with you, and everybody's kind of pushing the same direction. It's not a zero sum game. And again, it's great to pay for entertainment. I have no issues with that. Mm-hmm. I pay for entertainment all the time. But this is different, right? This is you and players trying to create something that is worth more and more um, uh, every day. Now, chicken and eggs. Mm-hmm. The tokens can be the eggs. Uh, and the eggs are very liquid, right? Uh, they, they launch in, in, on an exchange, for instance. They can be sold every day uh, once you know, the vesting schedule is done. That is high liquidity. It's yes. very volatile, but it's also very liquid. And you don't get that when you invest in other forms of companies. You have your equity. Uh, you're with the founders for as long as it takes. Maybe there is an exit. Maybe there is an IPO. Maybe there's a secondary sale. Uh, maybe a private equity will buy you. But as we know, like in most cases, uh, it doesn't happen, right? Uh, with tokens, tokens are out. They're liquid. Maybe the volume is not amazing, but they are out there and liquid. So that's a, like a, a very good hedge mm-hmm. for uh, the VCs that invest in this space. Um, the equity is actually the chicken in this example, because if you own part of the studio, in fact, you are um, part of the value creation system, right? So when the studio creates the next game, and for instance, in Uncaged, so we're creating this esports franchise called Monkey League, but we're also partnering with a AAA studio to create another game. And that game will have its own economy, right? So that, so there you go, new types of eggs uh, out there. So how does it all align? As, as a founder of things, I want to be aligned completely with my backers. I want us to have the same incentives, otherwise a conflict of in- interest will rise. And it's like a cancer in a company. I want to be very aligned. So like when we did a round, we did it. Uh, the one we're doing is, is equity and tokens. Same thing. Whatever I as a founder have, you'll have the same uh, thing. Um, and 
yeah, maybe the equity can be on the high side in terms of valuation, but you are getting tokens as well. Mm -hmm. And that gives you a very good hedge, which you normally uh, don't get in a company. Um, so this is how it uh, works. I know some uh, studios don't do that and it's only tokens. Uh, I think it's, it's okay, by the way, as long as the backer knows that he's buying the eggs, not the chicken, maybe mm -hmm. it's fine. Maybe all he wants is an omelet and wants to have this liquidity and it's great. Uh, but if you want to be very aligned and if you're thinking about this long-term, probably equity in tokens is the uh, best way to go. Yeah, and then there's no dilution when you're doing the uh, the tokens. So that's, um, that's, that's also if a good part for the founder. Yeah, and also look, tokens, but, but what is actually the illusion, right? If you have the right backers, you want them in. It's fine. Like I believe that when this investor uh, has bought in, you know, 10% of the company, uh, it's now worth more, not less. My 90% is now more valuable. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm great with it. I, I never feel the illusion uh, if it's with the right uh, backers. I'm looking, you know, on the grand scheme of things. Uh, and being diluted by the wrong investors is never right. <laughs> um, but yeah, with tokens, look, tokens is great. We did our first uh, round was purely tokens. To be honest, everybody made lots of money. Uh, and it's and it's awesome and it's great uh, and and you know we've been observing the behaviors of uh, those who got tokens. We know uh, who was right and who is right for us in when we look long term when we're, we do equity in tokens. And these are the sort of people that will participate in in the next round. And, and when you did your first round in tokens, so essentially you. How does it work? You minted your tokens and then sold part of it to different investors, and they were able to hold through the tokens as you release your NFTs, and the NFTs kind of set a new value for the tokens depending on how desired the NFTs were. Is that how it works? No, no, actually, it's uh, well, the first part is right. The, yeah. um, you have this. Um, so when you're building this sort of economies, you say, uh, okay, there will be a set amount of tokens. These are the in-game currency. Um, if the game is popular, lots of people will play it. It has a fixed amount. There'll be demand. The price will rise, right? Mm -hmm. This is the, the speculation uh, behind it. Plus players that, that know ahead of time that they want to play the game, uh, makes sense for them to buy this early on when it's still on the low side. Mm -hmm. You carve out some of this allocation and you say, look, I need this to worth something. The only way to make sure that something is valuable is to put it in the market and get, uh, you know, do a price discovery with yes. supply and demand, right? So you start off by uh, offering this to a bunch of private backers and this is what they do. This is, uh, uh, this is the mandate that they have. So with this round, you know, the first one we had, great participation with all you know from all the, the 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 best in the space then you take it to the public and you list it on on an exchange for in our case it was ftx mm -hmm. and then the market decides what what's what's the value of this because you know it immediately balances supply and demand asks and bids and now the price is set and it's set under the understanding that, you know, this will be the in-currency of a game. Uh, and if we think the game is popular, then the price should appreciate accordingly to um, how much supply is out there and how much we want to play. Uh, and this is how, and if you got it right, this is how the early backers uh, can, um, can turn it into profits, obviously. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and in our case, it went on pretty, it was wild. That's wild is good. Wild is good. <laughs> so, so talk a little bit about the impact of all the negative elements that, that, that oh, not, not negative elements, but the negative occurrences in blockchain gaming as of late. So, I mean, what I, what I mean by that is companies are always naturally more than, than happy to inform about their record transaction days and, and some of this stuff has been, as I said, borderlining misinformation because there have been titles like, again, I'm saying Axie Infinity, but Axie Infinity, uh, 1.2 billion annualized revenue overtakes Candy Crush in 2020. I remember vividly seeing this. This is when I first heard about Axie Infinity. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is this game that is making more money than Candy Crush? And, um, and, and then what also doesn't happen is there's rare, rare, like there's rarely a follow up on like what it is today, like what happened since that peak day, and that kind of creates this sort of um, that it adds to this, how would I put it, like the negative perspective on on blockchain gaming is like you only inform us about the good news, but you're never here to tell us like what happened after that. It's like almost like record, like reporting your in free to play, reporting your um, sales revenue, like when you run a sale, that one day sale, and and you get. 5x, 6x, 7x higher revenue than on your normal day, but you, but you would report only about that, but not how the game is doing as a whole. So that kind of brings a lot of skepticism uh, and a lot of these shark fins that we can see in, in the success or, or lack of sustained success in these games. Like, what's your perspective on them and, and how does that influence your decision making? Uh, well, first, it boils down to sustainability, mm -hmm. right? And, and again, this is not unique to, to Web3. Everything that is growth dependent um, will need to find profitability at, at some point. And by the way, uh, Axie made lots of money. I yes. mean, the tokens at, the, at their peak traded, at, I think the fully diluted value was $27 billion with you know turnovers um like trading volumes of, of like a billion a day it means that if you had axs for instance uh you definitely made lots of money full stop right it's not funny internet money it's it's very it's very real and yes you know these companies uh are not regulated they're not uh at a at a, at a stock exchange they do not need to report in the same way that you know, a traded company like you know, yeah. maybe Platica needs to to report, and uh, and it means that you know they they see things as that you know, they're going on a date, right? They put on their their best shirt and and they, they and, and makeup, and they don't need to tell you about you know the, the shitty parts yeah. as well. Um, but they did make uh, uh, nicely, but again, as as second movers, uh, we need to think about sustainability, right? So. Um, we're thinking about this, let's say, like we created this digital nation, right? And mm -hmm. we need to mm -hmm. make sure that it can run for years. It can't be like this, we created this country and now uh, uh, two years later, it's completely fucked. Like, we, how do we make this sustainable? Um, and, you know, again, first principles, right? Uh, some, if you want, not everybody can win. You know, some will need to lose over time. Uh, some need to, we need to sponsor the other. So we've taken a few things into considerations. Uh, we've taken, you know, ideas from free-to-play, mixed them with uh, player-owned economies to create different game loops that are far more sustainable. Uh, we, we are thinking about monetary policy. 
Like when is the time to inflate? When is the time to deflate? Thinking about NFTs, uh, they can't be like uncontrolled growth of NFTs because then it dilutes everybody else. Uh, how do we control this? Like, so we've added a few more levers. How do, how do you know, NFTs evolve over time? What's the 10-year vision to this? Uh, how, do we, how do we see it that way? Um, and, and, and I guess you know, a lot of it is, is, is that. And, and there is also, you know, just circling back to valuations and how this whole thing is, is being perceived. Um, and I've, as I've mentioned, I, I think valuation doesn't matter that much. Uh, as as an investor again, and, and I'm I'm investing as well in the space yeah. uh, for years. It's not about valuations; it's about picking winners. Yes, the the Amazons and the Googles uh, of of the dot com, but it was the same thing in in 2017, right? With the ICO bubble, a lot of it was complete nonsense, and like we knew, being there, that's complete nonsense. But you know, but you could have invested in in Ethereum as well right back then so the fundamentals still matter and and some deals cannot be cheap enough to to support the the, the fact that the quality is so low um and high quality can be very expensive can it be too expensive maybe but look the competition is so fierce that if an investor will not pay this valuation someone else will pick it up yeah definitely the investor the the entrepreneur may compromise on the identity of the investors, but he will find money. So I think the opportunity in Web3 is so grand um, that over time, if you picked winners, it doesn't matter how much you paid in terms of valuation. What's more important is the, just making sure that you got a proper allocation more than anything uh, uh, else. And yes, everybody believes that they found the 1%. And Yeah. Yeah. I've, Look, I've even heard, I've heard things from investors like, well... Also, sometimes when they invest into Web3, they invest on a team that can pivot out of Web3 if need be. Look, it makes sense. I think if, if I was, I will never invest in someone says that you can pivot out of Web3 right now. I'm, uh, um, I believe, you know, in, in burning the ships when you board the island, right? <laughs> Plus, this is like, if, you, if, if you're doubtful of Web3, then you don't get it. You're either not, you're either underinformed, or or even worse, uh, you don't get it. You can pivot within it a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe this economical model doesn't make sense. Maybe esport doesn't make sense. All of that I get completely. Yeah. But if you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm building my internet startup, but you know, there maybe just maybe will will pivot back to publishing it on paper. Uh, because I hear people make money with, in, in, in newspapers. You don't get it, right? So I will definitely not invest in, in something uh, uh, like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you mentioned another thing that was very interesting because you're investing a lot in this space. Uh, you said that if the fundamentals are there and you have to pick winners, so and it doesn't really matter what the price is as long as you get proper allocation, as long as you find those winners. How do you find winners in this insane blockchain space? Like, what do you look at? Because, because traditionally, in in when investing in blockchain, like let's talk only about gaming. Traditionally, investing into gaming, like you can have multiple different things. But in the invest, in the end, investors is like, well, let's just look at the founding team. That's the only correlation we've been able to to find with success, and even that is often not true. So, it's like if the team makes sense, then 
I guess something will happen out of it. <laughs> yeah, the, the classical, uh, the jockey, not the horse, right? But yeah. it's not the whole story. But yeah. uh, um, I'll tell you what, like how we build things and, and how we invest in things. Uh, you know, the three core things, right, are timing. And timing has been scientifically been found as uh, the most important parameter of all, right? The great, the, an amazing team with an amazing product at the wrong timing will not make any impact at all. Uh, where if you are in the right place in the right time, mm-hmm. something mediocre may, may work uh, yeah. uh, as well. Um, so timing, team, product, core things, and in this order of importance. So in terms of timing, I think, you know, I, th- I think I've said it enough. Like the timing for Web3 is, is now. We're still early on. It's undeniable. Um, so timing, I think, is, is right. Team, at least when it comes to Web3 games, I think, and again, I'm speaking out of our position, but I think people will agree. Mm-hmm. The team needs to be very well informed and expert, both in Web3 and in gaming. It needs to be native in both. If you take a bunch of crypto bros and let them op- uh, run a game, uh, you end up with something that is completely outsourced, doesn't make sense, and nobody will want to play it. And because, and yeah, this may have been a nice play in 2019, 2020, uh, but with all the games coming out, you can't win with that. So it can't be just crypto bros. And it can't be just the gaming folks thinking, hey, you know what, let's just throw in a few NFTs and we're now in crypto. Well, you're not, right? You don't get half of it. Um, and we've seen this sort of thing, you know, kind of, not succeeding. So I think the team needs to be native in, in both. This is how we've built on Cage, and I think it's critical. Lastly, of course, is, is product, right? It's still important. Um, our fundamentals is I want to see teams, and what we are building is play-to-play. The game needs to have its own merit. It can't be just crypto. Um, it needs to have high production value to distinguish it from everything else. It needs to be very accessible. Crypto is complicated. There, there are a few million players that can, that can do that right now. There will be a bit more if, when this grows. Um, how we build things on you know, unity and separating crypto aspects from the gaming aspect makes it very accessible to mobile consoles and everything else. And lastly, sustainability. It can't be a game where uh, you just create this money out of thin air, reward everybody, uh, and, and hope they'll stick around because they leave as the rewards end because everything else does not work. So it's not easy, but we think that this is um, uh, what we've built. Uh, I also think that a strong technological fundamental is important. Uh, in our case, we've built a robust platform that we can scale on and build games uh, uh, on. Um, you know, technology is still a big part of it. Um, and I think, you know, lastly, uh, quality is something that you can identify. And I think this is why, you know, a lot of, a lot of these cases, investors just go on with a, a team that makes sense because they, they can spot quality. Mm-hmm. They don't know about the future, what will be created. Sometimes they don't get the space well enough. So all they can bet on is, is the team. And again, team is critical. Yeah. Uh, but quality is something that you can sense. Um, so this is, these are the things I'll be looking at and am looking at and timing team and product, and then deeper into 
how native they are in both. How do you and and the nativeness in crypto? You just basically have discussions with them, and if they can reply in a in a smart way, then that means they understand what they're doing. That's that's essentially it. Yeah. Look, I can ask them all the tough questions. Yeah. yeah of right. Uh, and I don't. I don't want. I don't expect people to know everything because you know yeah. we don't know everything, right? Yeah. Uh, but I do want to see the sort of critical thinking and and what they get what they don't get the concepts when are they just you know quoting stuff and you know even quoting stuff is okay but like have the context have you know get it and mm -hmm. look there are so many talented people in this space i i'm so average uh, myself right uh but you know you need to surround yourself with people that uh, that are very well informed and, and understand where this is going and predict things, not just people that can tell you, hey, you know, this is where the ball is bouncing right now. Let's do this. No, no, no. You need to figure out where it's heading. You need to be there ready mm. uh, to get it when, when it's there. So this is the sort of things that make sense. And why is it so that a lot of companies, um, they, they want to talk about the blockchain that they've chosen, the wallets, the smart contracts, uh, why do they feel that it's so important to communicate that? Or like some of the things that I was thinking, are they communicating these elements because they don't have much to communicate about their game? Like it's, 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 it's weird that you communicate so many technical aspects that are not really that important to yeah. the audience. Yeah. It's funny. You know, it kind of reminds me right now, like uh, I had a, uh... Uh, you know, obviously iPhones, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. it, it was an amazing shift, right, from in, in mobile iPhones. And, uh, uh, you know, with every early on, like every new model, like brought in like this cool thing you can do. Yeah. And it seems like the past, you know, few models, I don't know, maybe the last five or six of them, we're just talking about processors and <laughs> how many, uh, the lens itself and, and like someone... Smart told me, like, you know, when companies start talking about the tech spec, I immediately get frustrated because it seems that they don't have anything left in terms of innovation, right? So like, I, I totally get what you mean. But look, the, these cycles always begin with technology mm -hmm. and then business. It's technology first. Technology and science are, are what are, you know, the things that actually push our universe uh, forward, right? Um, so this is how it begins. Uh, hopefully this is not where it ends. Um, but you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the game developers out there are crypto bros. Yeah. And as I've mentioned, this is what they get and this is what they'll talk about because this is where they feel this is their comfort zone. Uh, and the technology is undeniably critical, uh, in these games, but it's not, it's not that, you know, having the proper unity or uh, team in, in your game is not important, but it's kind of trivial right now. Um, but in this space, because it's so early on, people discuss it uh, a lot. But, you know, when the, when the technology is right and when the technology is good, it's like magic. Yeah. You have no idea how it happens in the back end, but it just works. It, like exactly. You, you leave an Uber and you don't need to worry about payment, right? You know, Nobody ever talks about how payment is done in Uber because it's so good. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to talk about how processing gateways work. And who cares, right? Yeah. It works. It's amazing. It's so yeah. good. I don't even need to talk about it. Um, it's different in our studio. I think 90% uh, of the people in the studio are gaming experts mm -hmm. and we're very much uh, game focused and, uh, 
And if it's not necessary to use blockchain in any aspect of the game, then we just don't. Mm. We're not maximalists at all. Um, and, and I mean, just look at the stuff that we publish out there. Most of it is is game related. It's yeah. not, hey, we're doing this cool thing on Solana right now, and you <laughs> yeah. can do that without storing your keys and. I get yeah. that on people. Most yeah, people I, don't get it. And then, and I think it's it's almost like off-putting. Like we don't like we don't see any other game marketing being done of like this. Uh, I mean, maybe when when Unity first came in and people were kind of talking yeah. about this game is done in Unity. It's like I don't care. I, I really don't. Yeah. I really don't care what backend solution you use, what engine yeah. it's built in, uh, what attribution platform you use, yeah. what marketing yeah. channels did you use. Like those are like such nuances that might be yeah. interesting in a deep dive podcast for a specific audience. Yeah. But yeah. then, whether you I'm not going to call, I'm yeah. not going to call EA and tell him, hey, yeah. what? <laughs> Look, yeah. I've just noticed you're not doing this on Unity, and I just yeah. wanted to ask why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we need to call this out, or or, or even yeah. even like things of like what like it it almost adds too much um too much weight on like which blockchain layer two you've chosen. Like Avalanche, yeah. did you go with Avalanche? Yeah. What'd you go with Avalanche? Like who gives a shit? <laughs> there was yeah. a good deal. Yeah. They took it. That's it. So move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, anyways, like like, and that's that's true. Like, in order to be more accessible, in order to be more mainstream, in order to be adapted more, I think it's I I agree that the production quality and quality overall needs to go up, and I think the focus, as you said, needs to go into the game. Like, you need to be selling the game. If the game is interesting, and there and the blockchain aspect of it is used in a smart way, where the players can actually own something that is very interesting to own. Uh, and they're not owning just to rent it out and make money off some Venez- poor Venezuelans. Then, then these are these are very interesting things. These are the, you're you're creating a new 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 style of new way of entertainment. Yes. So that's that that will be that's the important message there. Not not the, what blockchain layer two you're using. That should not be no. even said anywhere. <laughs> like that's your business. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, look right now, like one of the. I think the first question we asked last year was, mm-hmm. let's decide right now, are we a crypto company building a game mm-hmm. or are we our gaming company, an entertainment company using Web3 and crypto mm-hmm. as part of what we build? And, and, you know, either way is fine, but it's like a very different strategy. And to be honest, most chose to say I am a crypto company building a game because then I have all the crypto folks uh, behind me and around me. They are the mm-hmm. folks right now with all the cryptos. So let's, uh, let's be there. It makes total sense. But over time, I think we will win because we are a gaming company yeah. using crypto and not the other way around. So the beginning can be tougher. And it's not, by the way, because we are crypto native as well. But over time, it's entertainment. Yes. And you're not competing against other crypto games. You are competing against um, any other way that people like to be entertained. You are competing against Netflix and Apple TV uh, and uh, a soccer game uh, at the backyard with my kid, uh, against a restaurant, against, how I, against my sleep, against how I spend my free time. Yeah. And if you don't get that this is where you're competing and you're just trying to beat the other bullshit crypto game, 
you may have some short wins. You can even make money out of it. But this this is not what gets us excited. This is not where we are. Uh, uh, this is not why we're building something big. Yeah. And it, that's, a, that's a big challenge for a lot of companies, like whether it's Ubisoft or Square Enix or you name it, Jam Cities and other ones where where their C staff, their leadership has been openly talking about their interest towards blockchain gaming. And then at the same time, you see the whole company not not only not embracing it, but most of the company just being detractors towards the whole blockchain gaming because they don't they don't understand it. There's they don't see what the leadership sees, and I think that leads to a very dangerous situation where where the leadership might be like, "This is the path. I believe in this. I want to change this towards it," but the staff doesn't want to do it, and it's kind of yeah. either forced, either they will leave or they're kind of forced to do it, and that's never a good way or or a sound way to build something sustainable. Oh, look, it's the classic uh, innovator's dilemma, right? Um, and, and over time, it has been proven that most, in most cases, mm-hmm. this will be grassroots. It mm-hmm. will not be an off-spin of a company that is so trenched in, the, in their very successful model, whether it's free-to-play or subscription, to uh, abandon that to... It's, it's like, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's always been discussed in strategy yeah. meetings. Hey, let's be our own competitor, and like, but nobody's actually ever doing that. They're not incentivized to do that uh, uh, at all. But I think if and you know things have been difficult in in mobile uh, lately in, in like you know web two games, right? Of course. Um, and and I think um, uh, maybe some will see this whole Web3 thing, crypto games as a threat, but it's a major opportunity. It's a major, major opportunity. Maybe not the best way for these giants is to, you know, let's just steer the uh, the cruiser 30 degrees right and, and, and do something completely different. Uh, but they can figure out a few ideas of how to make sure that they're not left behind in, in this space. And... Uh, because it did over time, it was proven that it's innovators that do not come from these companies that actually build the next big thing, uh, but not always. And yeah. the opportunity, and uh, look, we've been openly discussing this with a few of the studios that you can think of. And, uh, uh, and I like their approach of, hey, let's do this uh, together. You know, we, we'd rather have this done a bit outside, but a bit inside in a way so that, you know, we don't completely defocus ourselves uh but we do stay relevant yeah it's it's i think the the important part there is context like you need to give people context of why do you believe in it have an open 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 conversation um explain your reasoning behind it you you may you may also need to explain the difficulties in your current business model which of course raises stress for a lot of people because they don't know the business realities of the world. They they have no clue. They have no understanding of, of the market. And I think it's it's important to share that context so that people can arrive to the same conclusion. But oftentimes the executives are afraid to give the same context that they have. And instead they give these polished half stories or stories yeah. that, that everybody senses is kind of bullshit. And then through that yes. they turn against them. So, so if you want to if you want to turn the ship, tell people about the iceberg ahead. And if you, mm-hmm. but but don't ask them to to row to a different direction if they don't know why. Like they won't do it, uh, or they yeah. do it haphazardly. So, so that's that's really my 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 two cents there. But anyways, um, I wanted to ask you the last question before I let you go. Um, 
let's say somebody's raising funds. Some like people are listening to this and they're getting curious and they have been curious about blockchain gaming and they're thinking about um, raising for it. And we're not talking about raising a pre-seed or a seed. We're talking about an existing company that say has passed those stages, maybe is in post series A, maybe has a has a live game, but they're looking into venturing into blockchain gaming. Uh, what will be the way to get um, to get the funds for it? Essentially, what's the best way to create the FOMO uh, to get investors on your side? Assuming they have handled the timing, it's a good timing right now. They got the team, they've been studying uh, blockchain gaming, they are experts in making gaming, and they have proven ability to build sustainable, high quality products with great technology. Sure. So, well, probably, you know, one of the things that they will be missing is the, the Web3 expertise. As you've mm -hmm. mentioned, if, if they've created this massive expertise in gaming, they couldn't physically create the same thing in Web3 at the same time, not the same people, at mm -hmm. least. Like if, you, if you're not native, you know, you will always have this accent, right? Uh, and, and this space, you know, the Web3 space is so cynical in a way. Uh, and I'm like one of the most cynical people and I always am embarrassed in how cynical this space can be. Uh, they get it right away and they will push you out, right? You need to, to, to make sure that you onboard native folks or, you know, partner up with folks that know what they're doing, uh, uh, in this space. Um, look, I'm not an expert in building FOMO. Um, I'm, I'm a builder, not a, not a banker when it comes to, to fundraising, uh, the, the reality is that you can't fake these things. Uh, and if you can, you can do it forever. You can't have to do it. Uh, you need to decide that this is what you do. Usually it even doesn't make sense to take a game that you already have and say, let's, let's make it a, let's turn this into a web three game. Now, if you, maybe I, I haven't seen everything, but from what we've observed from, you know, the studios that came into us, say, hey, we have this game. It's not doing amazing. Let's make it a crypto game and, let, and then it will make lots of money. It, it's not the case. That, that's not how it goes, right? You need to figure out the mechanisms behind it, the constructs that make sense. Uh, unless if you don't do that, you're part of a hype cycle, yeah. you will crash and burn at, uh, at some point. You need to really innovate. Uh, you need to you know, think in, in first principles always and how this, how everything orchestrated uh, together with the tokens, with the NFT, with the game, with the players, with this entire uh, ecosystem. So again, no silver bullets, just a lot of lead bullets uh, with this. Um, but look, I'm, I'm, talk to us, we'll help. Yeah, so, so essentially either bring a new Web3 expert on site or partner up with a company that has Web3 expertise, have your yeah. clear vision, what kind of a game you want to make, how do you want to use blockchain as a part of that game that makes the game better. Yes. Partner up with somebody to give you advice and then bring that forward. And there's plenty of companies that are, even the ones that are investing into blockchain gaming that are more than happy to, to discuss with the studio that is interesting in it and help them with the transition. So you don't have to come in with, with, uh, with your tokenomics plans up there. Yeah. Everything is, is, you know, in that beautiful pie chart, everything is, is, is tokened out and, and you're already building yeah. your, your trading platform in the web. <laughs> yeah. By the way, this is very important. Um, what you just mentioned, because 
everybody thinks about the white paper mm-hmm. and that they, you know, now we have these uh, nice platforms out there like FTX Gaming and Forte that can help you, you know, launch the first mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but this is uh, this is only the beginning, right? Uh, and even if you have this everything figured out and you can mint NFTs and and create uh, uh, SPL tokens and you can. This is really, really, really just the beginnings. These are the tools. Now you need to get uh, to work. So for instance, when we thought about our platform, the idea was not let's do another Forte or FTX games. The idea was how do we support this over time? How do we handle live ops in a Web3 environment? Yes. Nobody has figured this thing out. We need to figure it out and, and we need to build it ourselves because nobody will build it because who has this expertise right now? Nobody. So we need to build a game, launch it on the platform, figure it out. We understand how it goes in, in other uh, gaming uh, uh, endeavors. Let's figure it out. How does that work on Web3? Uh, tokenomics, great. You have this plan, right? Uh, and you launch it. And then a month later, something happens in the economy that you haven't predicted because nobody is able to predict everything. Uh, how do you actually react? Like, what does this mean? This advisor gave you this you know, recipe pie chart of investors is 20%, community is 50%. Okay, that's great. But like, okay, so what, what happens to emissions if you, uh, the game does really well the first 30 days? What happens to emissions if it doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, when do you launch your governance token? And wh- at what point, what does it actually mean? So a lot of these things are ongoing. You can't just take a recipe or do a me too and, and, uh, because even if you are able to launch, even raise funds, great. What happens later? Yeah. It's not about the nine month of pregnancy. It's actually about raising kids. Yes, exactly. Um, what is Forte? I understand. I know what Forte. Uh, uh, what do they do? Uh, it's it's a platform that allows you to uh, launch on uh, like a Web3 game. I mean, just the, the, the assets of it. Wallet, yeah. uh, uh, FTX is a platform as well. Um, FTX Gaming, the, they, they've built one. Uh, Dapper Labs have something called Flow, which is mm-hmm. like a layer mm-hmm. one for it. Uh, all amazing things. I'm, I'm very happy that, that, uh, that this is uh, the level of technology that we now have in the space. Um, but I think people ran to build picks and shovels too fast without the expertise of what it actually means. And I get it. And they have crazy valuations and they're awesome. We love them. Uh, but um, we felt that as builders for us, like in our level of expertise, this is too generic. We need to build our own tools, right? Mm. We are settlers in, in a new land that nobody's ever seen. Uh, I can't expect people sending me hammers from the U.S. and this will work in this new world. Yeah. And right? generic, generic hammers that would work with everybody, with every kind of company. With every, I, I, have yeah. my, I always have my sort of, um, I don't know, spidey sense going on when somebody's building a platform because I, I respect the uh, – not respect. I respect everybody, but especially I think a smart strategy for any kind of platform like Unreal is really smart. They have their own game. They make their own games, yeah. and they build a platform to support games like that. 
and um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's a it's a very clear choice, and you know that they're not making any kind of bullshit because they actually have an internal team, internal teams that are using the same engine, so they have yes. an internal client, not only external clients. So so it's uh, yeah, it's a yeah. Smart th- this is a this is our play uh, yeah. uh, as well. But this. the Unreal play. Yes, the uncaged. Please. The uncaged. The uncaged is the new unreal. All right. <laughs> well, on that note, on that note, um, Shahab, we can talk forever, and we do chat quite often. Uh, thank you so much for for joining the podcast. A lot of a uh, lot of questions answered that were particularly interesting to myself, and for everybody listening, just keep sending more questions about Web three and what do you want to hear, uh, because we'll keep on having great guests like Shahab, or we will have Shahab back as a guest. Uh, to answer more of these these questions, because he's a true OG in the uh, in the Web three. I mean, Web three. You had the Web three uh, email, not email, but uh, web address in like two thousand five, right? Six. Two thousand and six. Yeah. See. Yeah. See. Uh, two thousand and six. So. Yeah. 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 But it's 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 overstated for sure. But I did have that domain in two thousand six. <laughs> Receipts, just facts. <laughs> so, so anyway. Uh, Everybody, thank you for listening and um, catch us on the uh, next episode. Shahaf, Tadaraba. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Tadaraba. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.